Welcome to the podcast, Vaginas and Vertebrae, where two doctors talk all about down there topics that seem to be overlooked. Whether it be mindset, body image, self-love, or medical questions, we dive deep into all aspects of being female. Dr. Madeline is a chiropractor who is on a mission to inspire women to reconnect to their bodies and reclaim their power. Dr. Kaylee is a pelvic floor physical therapist, spreading the truth that your vagina is magical. And as a woman, you deserve to rid of all the shame, guilt, and fear, limiting you from stepping into your boss bitch self. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thank you so much for your support of our podcast, Vaginas and Vertebrae. Please understand that all of the information, whether it be by Dr. Kaylee, Dr. Madeline, or our guest, is all solely based on personal and professional opinion. Nothing that we say or give information on should be utilized in place of any medical advice that has been given to you. If you are experiencing any medical symptoms, signs of issue or dysfunction, please make sure that you follow up with your physician and make sure you are following all of the plans of care. We are not saying that we have a physician-patient relationship with any of our listeners, so therefore we do not have any liability with what you do with the information that you gain from this podcast. Thank you so much again for listening, and we're super excited that you were just so chill, and you're ready to learn, and you're ready to listen to the way that we feel about what's going on in women's health care. All right, and here we are again for yet another wonderful episode of Vaginas and Vertebrae, and because I've been saying about like the lack of sleep, you can tell I have a lot more energy this morning because I did sleep a little bit more last night, so we are celebrating that today. <laughs> and I am Dr. Kaylee, Dr. Madeline, and we are here again, like I said, for another episode of Vaginas and Vertebrae, and today the topic is something that we've been really meaning to touch on for a little while, and I think we do kind of sporadically through each of our episodes. However, we decided to kind of make one very specific to our top eight questions really to be asking and to talking to your provider about. And we tried our best to make this kind of for all women in general. So whether you are preconception, not planning on having kids, have had kids, are pregnant, things like that. So hopefully these you will find very helpful in being able to ask your provider. And when we say provider, and Dr. Madeline, you can hop in if you have a, um, anything else to add to this. When I say provider, I'm talking medical provider, OBGYN, chiropractor, acupuncturist, physical therapist, um, and, and mental health counselors. Like all of these questions should be something that you should tailor towards your needs. And, and we've talked about it before about making sure that you're interviewing these people before you go and hire them. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It just depends, I think, on who you want on your healthcare team. Which anymore, and if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of women are choosing, like, I would say more of like a holistic or like just more well-rounded healthcare team. I think in the past, it was very much like I have a primary MD and that's like it, you know, but I think to a different space, especially if you're on this podcast, you're like, okay, well, like, who else do I want on my team? Because there's so many different components. Yeah. And it's been really cool to see that shift too. Cause I even remember just starting practicing like four or five years ago when everybody would be like, Oh, well I have to ask my doctor. And now they're like, Oh, well I have to ask my physical therapy doctor. or Oh, I have to ask my chiropractic doctor. or Oh, I have to ask my acupuncture doctor. And I love that because now it is becoming a little bit more and I'll say a little bit cause we still have work to do, but a little bit more common knowledge that there are so many other like amazing holistic doctors out there to help you throughout your transitions. So we're grateful 
thankful for that and excited to share with you all of these things. So I will get started. And our very first question, we're going to go back and forth on one and kind of discuss each one as, as we come about. The first question that we decided that we think is incredibly important for you to ask is ask your medical provider, what is your stance on allowing me to have a part in choosing my care? And what I mean by that is, and I have been recently, and I'm going to share with you a little bit of a story about this. I have actually been going through this myself. I had a medical provider that was wonderful and, and, and um, endocrinologist working with my thyroid. My medication was recalled and there was really terrible communication and absolutely like ripped that voice away from me for making my own decision for my own healthcare. And as a doctor myself, it was interesting to be put into that place and like feel those feelings and feel that I wasn't being heard and feel that I didn't have a right to speak up or I didn't have a right to share with them what I had looked up. And so I think it's incredibly important to be asking so that you can build character from that medical provider, but also understand, are you even comfortable talking to them about these situations? So if you are a young female and you haven't gotten pregnant yet, but you're going into your medical provider and you're considering becoming pregnant, are they going to allow you to choose birth controls, like, like taking yourself off of birth control? Are they going to allow you to choose what medications and supplements you take? Are they going to give you the information and then ultimately leave the ball in your court? Because I'll be 100% honest, and Dr. Madeline, um, you can hop in here too, but for me, my job is not to tell you what to do. It's to educate you and equip you on all the things that I know that can help you make a decision because ultimately your voice is the one that makes that big decision. I 100% agree with you. And I think it, especially like, I don't know, like the younger generation or population when they're going into some of their providers and they're asking some of these questions or, you know, they have certain health issues, like they're not, not necessarily getting all um, options on what they can do to help themselves and being empowered to make that choice for themselves is kind of like, well, here's one option and like, that's it. Um, which we see that across the board, I think very frequently. So I think definitely like asking those questions and knowing who your provider is and how are they going to empower you or are they just giving you one choice and like it's their way or the highway yeah yeah and i see that a lot in, in the way that i treat too i did a post about this on instagram this week actually about i have a job to educate you on what i know as a pelvic floor physical therapist a women's health specialist and all of these things like my job is to educate you on that information but if you ever hear a provider say you cannot do this or you cannot do that, I would question it. And the reason I question that is because you deep down in your gut, if you're equipped with the education and you're equipped with the knowledge, because I will say sometimes we just don't know, but provider, like our job is to literally give you that education to help you make a decision, not to tell you what to do. And so that's what that whole first question is. And I do think that that's probably one of the, and Madeline and I have talked about this before, it's probably one of the most important things to ask your providers. And that's asking your chiropractors, that's asking your acupuncturist, your physical therapist, your midwives, your nurses, like all of them. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. <laughs> All right, so um, let's go on to the next question we have. This one I think is more for, I've gotten this quite frequently from my mamas who are coming in during their pregnancy. And just being comfortable, I think, through that process when you're picking a provider and knowing that it's okay to ask them questions. So like certain questions on like, what are my options when I am going to deliver, like in labor and delivery? Like, are you going to let me try to, to work on some of the positions that are comfortable for me. Can I maybe um, start laboring in the water and then transition out later? Like, do I have these options? And I just find like a lot of um, 
the women that cross my path, they don't know that they can ask these things. And they're like, well, my thought is this. I'm like, well, have you asked your provider about that and what that looks like when you're actually birthing? And they're like, no. And I like highly encourage them to have those discussions with whoever they're laboring with because um, you just can't assume, right? Your idea might be, I want to do it this way. I think my provider will, but they might not. Or they might, but it's always a great discussion to have to know before you're going into that circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important too, because I've had a lot of clients, you know, say, oh yes, I'm doing a home birth, but they don't upfront ask if a water birth is an option with that home birth. And sometimes they unfortunately don't get the option because they didn't ask upfront. So it's really important to have that conversation. And also I always tell clients, you know, sit down with your partner, sit down with your spouse and write these things out that you want write out every single question that you have that's coming up. I usually give my clients a journal at some point so that they have somewhere to jot these down because you have to ask the questions. You have to ask your provider. And even if it comes to me, like what are the different stages of labor that I need to be aware of and what positions need to change during each stage, like to protect my pelvic floor. And it's stuff that I would willingly give you. But if I don't know that you need to know that question, right, then, then we can't really get into that conversation. So be really mindful to ask that. I love that question. I think within that too, being comfortable asking those questions, but when you're having those discussions with your doctor through your pregnancy, if they say something and you're not sure like what that means, like ask them, they're there to educate you too. I had somebody ask the other day about, um, effacement and what, like where their cervix was and like their doctor just throws out doctor terms. And yeah. I think maybe, maybe assumes the patient knows where her cervix is or those type of things. But I'd say, and I know Dr. Kelly can probably say more than I can about this, but I think most women don't actually know, especially during pregnancy, where that is and what that looks like and how that changes. So. Yeah, and it's a really empowering thing, too, if you can find a medical provider that is going to teach you how to see it and feel it yourself, by the way, because then you can actually know which stage you're going into when labor occurs and how to kind of induce the whole process. It's really cool, and I'll be 100% transparent and honest. Um, I got the opportunity once to go into a room with a client and it was a really difficult thing like for me to even see the cervix. And so it takes a very like trained professional to be able to find and see and teach you those things. But it is a process that you need to have that conversation with. And even with my clients, you know, when they ask me, what are you doing and why? I, I make them touch their pelvic floor muscles because it's important that you learn why I'm doing that, why it's important and what to do because your body does go through changes through labor and delivery. And it's important to be able to feel those things. So yeah. Being comfortable with your body in general. Like the last time I got an exam, I um, used a midwife and she was like, Oh, here's a mirror. There's your cervix. Do you see it? And I was mm -hmm. like, well, no, no one's ever shown it to me before. Like, yeah. but we're so disconnected from the area. So to find somebody who's really empowering you through those, that process too, I think is awesome. Like it, it is your body. You should know about it. Yeah. And I think it's a really cool thing too, to see, um, you should be active throughout your entire pregnancy and throughout your labor and delivery and all of that. If you're going into providers and they're not giving you any active role, meaning they're not letting you look, they're not letting you feel, they're not letting you learn. I would probably urge that you want to like rethink that. And it's not because, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to be really like want to know everything like me, like, nope, not 
most people carry a mirror in their purse like I do when I go to my gyno appointments because I just, I want to know. I want to know what the discharge color means. I want to know why things are different. Why does it smell like that? But a lot of people aren't like that. But I really do urge you guys to kind of think about those, those reasons on why you're not curious because it is a part of your body and we do need to be comfortable with it specifically going into pregnancy and postpartum because things do change. And so we have to learn how to kind of tune in to all those changes and understand the way that those feel. So that's really important. <laughs> and yes, I do carry a hand mirror in my purse for those. <laughs> Specifically, if I have like a menstrual cup in and I'm like out in public, because sometimes I lose the little thing. <laughs> it's so funny, but I have to have those like tools. I, I do. And I'm oh. not ashamed to have them. <laughs> about that. I mean, I don't usually lose mine. Yeah. It's it's interesting because if you can't find a toilet where you can like, you know, do it comfortably or if it's nasty, then I have to use a mirror to kind of help guide me a little bit. I also carry hand gloves in my, in my purse for purposes like that. It's, I'm a little bit crazy, but it is what it is. <laughs> I've been in those situations where I'm like, if you've used a menstrual cup, you're like, oh shoot. Yep. This yep. is to what I need to do right now. So you kind of have to have a little bit of a plan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to the question number three. Question number three is really important for me because I never had a voice to ask this question when I was younger. And so I always, always, always empower women to ask this. When you have a new medical provider, this would not be me or Dr. Madeline because we do not prescribe medications. However, if you have a provider like medical doctor, midwife, or someone that would prescribe medications or even supplements, I would ask the question, do you typically push towards medications or do you approach in a more holistic way? This is going to depend, of course, on you and what you desire. A lot of people do choose medication over not. That's totally fine. I am 100% a fan of medicine when it's necessary. Absolutely. It's there for a reason. But I, I go into the whole um, pain pandemic and how opioids are always prescribed for all these things and why there's an opioid crisis and why there's so many prescriptions. And so I always tell clients with pelvic pain, pain, just for an example, when you go in to meet a new medical provider or a pain medicine doctor um, or pain specialist, whatever you call them, when you go in, ask them, like, is your, is your quickest role, like, do you always push towards medication or do you have other options for me? And that's important because I don't know about anybody else listening out there, but for me, I want to know what the actual root cause is so it doesn't come back. And so that's really important um, going into the whole history of pelvic pain with myself. And they gave me all like this, this antidepressant, this pelt, like pain medicine. I had no idea what I was supposed to be taking it for, but they didn't give me the option of anything else because I didn't ask that question. So then I went and I took it and it became something that I used a little bit more than I should have. And it was just this whole situation. So it's really important to ask about that and birth control as well. If you're seeing a new OB or a new midwife or someone like that, then you want to ask them, are you pushing towards birth control? What are the forms of contraceptive that you're using or recommending and why? I think that's so powerful and great. And I wish in my younger years, I would have um, known some of these things or understood that because I've definitely had experiences that haven't been pleasant because I didn't know to ask those things. I didn't know to ask, well, can we wait and see, can I do more of a nutritional approach? And, um, you know, those options weren't given to me. And I don't think every provider will give you those options at all. But if you are somebody who wants to approach your health in a more holistic way, or you don't necessarily, you want to use drugs and medication as your last resort or something like that, then there are providers out there who can support you in that. But you have to be okay understanding that there are those different options and seeing when you're interviewing your doctor, are you going to give me them? Are you going to respect that? 
as well. And I think especially since you mentioned birth control, that's huge, huge. I think like the stat is more than 60% of women who are on birth control aren't on birth control to prevent pregnancy. They're on birth control for other health issues that their provider just gave them birth control for. And what we know is that you can have a completely different approach for those health issues that you're on birth control and usually resolve them pretty well without having to get on something like a hormonal birth control for. If you choose you want to be on birth control to choose as that contraceptive method, then I'm all, you know, power to you on that. As long as you also are looking at like the pros and cons of it, but you're, that's your choice and you're going to make your choice and you're comfortable with that. Then that's what it's there for. If yeah. you're being a for another health issue, that's a different discussion, you know? Um, so I think that's I, so important to talk about and mention for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's always like a hard conversation to have, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of throw some rocks here. If you're going into a medical provider who doesn't look at your entire subjective. So for instance, if you go in because you all of a sudden have an outbreak of acne and they give you birth control, um, because this is happening to me, those of you watching on YouTube, you can see like I'm getting this outbreak of like whatever this is on my face. And I did, I asked my doctor and she asked if I wanted to be on birth control. And I said, no, that was the choice that I had made. And I think that it's important to pay attention to the medical providers that are automatically pushing a medication and not taking a time to ask you about nutrition or ask you about exercise or ask you about stress. Stress is something that I see stress, anxiety, and mental health that medical providers are really failing our communities on specifically women because the majority yeah. of my like health issues come from the high stress levels that I had as a teenager, the anxiety and things like that. But nobody gave me an option to talk about it or nobody gave me other alternatives as far as like meditation or mental health, like health and things. So it's so important that if you go in and you're seeing somebody automatically, like they have a script pad usually with a drug name on it. And then they are staring at their computer, ignoring you technically, not asking you questions. Like those are the ones that we're trying to veer you away from because it's just not worth your future or your life to fall into those traps. And, and it's sad that I have to say that, but it's a true story. You're just going to be hurting later, you know? And, and I, since you mentioned the mental health thing, I, it honestly, like it pisses me off anymore. Like it pisses me off that doctors aren't talking to their patients about it. And then when I try to talk to them about it, because it's a huge, huge component in your healthcare and how you heal and how other things manifest, like that it's, we're still so disconnected from it. We are. And, and I think it's a discussion that needs to happen way more frequently. You like, we just can't not talk about it anymore. <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy. And I also think too, like about when I have pain or when I feel pain of some sort and like how quickly I automatically revert to an inset or like, where's my Advil or my Excedrin? And then I'm like, wait, cause the more that I've learned about like the holistic approach and why I approach things the way that I do and how I was raised and I'm not knocking my family by any means, they didn't know any better. But like now I'm getting to that point where it's just like, how many women are going in without that information or that, that ability to be equipped with the knowledge or the proper knowledge? And so kind of the big takeaway point with that question is you have to be an advocate for your own health and find providers that will advocate for you because nobody else will. And nobody else will take that stance for you. And I, I've been on both ends of that. Dr. Madeline has been on both ends of that. So it's just really important that you kind of catch that whole big picture of understanding to ask that question. It's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so question number four, are we ready for that? Yeah. Yep. Um, so back to the, I think, well, it was a little bit more specific question, but we can change it to like, during like, I would say your like motherhood transition, like 
if you're a woman who chooses that she wants to have a baby and go through that process, a lot of questions I know we both get um, is like the real stuff. Like, what can I really expect through this process, right? So what can I really expect to happen or what are some, some things I'm going to experience when I do get pregnant that no one talks about? And through labor and delivery and postpartum, like, what can I really expect? Because people don't do a good job talking about this at all. You know, you can know like certain things, you hear the scary stories that everybody hears, like you can't really do it on your own, like birth is terrible, but you get your baby, like, and we're trying to, trying to change the script on that as well. But I think like, you know, like, am I going to bleed postpartum? Like, what does that look like? How sore am I going to be? Like, how bad are my boobs or my nipples going to hurt? Like, mm-hmm. when I am pregnant or thinking about like going through that process or, or through that pregnancy, like emotional issues that come up that we've talked about on this podcast before, but a lot of people don't talk about that you can go through, get depression and anxiety through actual pregnancy and those type of things, like real world stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Significantly important for you to be asking those. um, Because again, we all know, and we've said this so many times, this is one of the big reasons why we started this podcast is like postpartum care, pregnancy care, like it's not the greatest here. And I can't tell you how many times, um, and I mean here like in the United States, but I, I can't tell you how many times clients will come in and be like, oh, well, nobody told me that. And they're 38 weeks pregnant and did not know that their pelvic floor or their diaphragm or that their core or all of that was integrated into getting that baby out, right? Like it, it, it's, it's just very, it's a sad thing, but it's also a question we have to ask. And my big thing about that is if someone, your medical provider, the person you're asking that question to says something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, you never really know how it goes or, oh, it's normal to pee or, oh, it's normal to do this or, oh, don't worry about that. It's just part of being a woman or a mom. I would get a second opinion. And I say that because it doesn't necessarily mean that because I will, you know, go out on a limb and say a little bit of incontinence immediately postpartum is going to happen. That is going to happen. But nobody tells you that, right? And I also tell people, you are going to have pressure and heaviness and pain in your pelvic floor. That is going to happen. It is going to be a little bit hard to lubricate for sex postpartum. That is going to happen. But people aren't talking about that. And again, take care of your own mental health and your own like health and, and take a step forward and say, what can I expect this to look like for me? because I want to make sure that I'm just equipped and that I'm prepared. And I can tell you that the clients that do take that step forward and ask that question, they do feel a little bit more relaxed about the whole process. And no, we cannot tell you exactly what to expect. Absolutely not. But we shouldn't be in a situation in this generation anymore. Here I am climbing on my soapbox where women do not know what a prolapse is and women do not know what diastasis recti is and women do not know what urinary incontinence is like that. That shit should not be happening still. We shouldn't be afraid of it but we should know what it is. I say, then I have like a patient come into my office who's a couple months postpartum and says like, well, I don't think I have a prolapse. Like that shouldn't be a conversation that I'm having with somebody five months postpartum that I don't think that I do. Like how, how are we not helping our women through that process to know if they do or not way before then, you know, I don't, yeah. It's insane. And, it, and it's crazy to me too about like how many women unfortunately get to the point of where they do have a perennial tear and they have absolutely no idea why they're being stitched. They have no idea what's happening. They have no idea how to heal that, no information on how to take care of that scar. It's just um, a huge uh, soapbox of mine that the information and the education really, really, really needs to get out there. And I will let you know, like shameless plug here, 
if you have been told something or if you have come up with something that you just wish you would have known after giving birth, please, please, please reach out to one of us to let us know because we need to make sure that we're putting that education out there so that you are more equipped so your friends and your daughters are more equipped to understanding what to expect and how to get through it. Um, so that's me being fired up right there. Just <laughs> calming down. <laughs> I that before we go on to the next one too, since we are talking about like the mental, mental health, mental health yeah. component, I think there's not enough discussion through that motherhood transition about the woman. And I think her transition, this whole identity thing she's going to go through, yeah. you know, and every experience is going to be different. Maybe she really wanted to become pregnant and become a mom. Maybe she didn't necessarily want to, but she has chosen that she wants to continue down this path and embrace this. But understanding that it's okay to want to be a mom and, and embrace that, but it's okay that you are still an individual. You still have an identity outside of that. And that is probably going to be a little murky during that transition and process, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to still claim and keep some of that identity as more than just a mom. Yeah. I, I think we just beat ourselves up way too much in society about that. And we don't talk about that. Women feel this, they feel this hard through pregnancy and the motherhood transition and feeling guilty about missing yeah. their life prior to being a mom as much as they love being a mom and then trying to step into that postpartum and not totally lose themselves. Yeah. And we have to do better. We have to do better as clinicians, as practitioners, as friends, as mothers, as all of these things in, in recognizing that the issue you, how many times do you see your provider during pregnancy and they're checking up on, and I, I don't treat babies, so this is why I take this stance, by the way, but, uh, and I do care about your child, please don't take this for what it's not, but you go in and you check to see how the health of the baby is, you make sure that you're healthy enough to deliver, you do all of those things, and then you deliver your baby, baby's good, you're, you're alive, blood pressure, all those things, vitals are fine, and then they don't want to check up with you for six weeks. Right. Tell me why that makes sense when you just birth the human out of your, like, out of your body. Like, that is insane to me. And then you go at six weeks, and I have not had a client yet that was told that it's okay to feel the way that they feel at six weeks postpartum. They're all told they're fine, go back to normal. You're not normal at six weeks. You're never going to be the same type of normal that you were before. There's a different type of normal now. Your body is different. Things are changing. And we have to have that discussion. We have to be better about reaching out to, to our friends and our family members that give birth at one week postpartum, at two weeks postpartum, at three weeks, and supporting them through that transition because that is when a lot of that, that fear and that anxiety and the, the, that unknown of like, why do I feel this way comes and then the shame and then the guilt and all of these, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. That means something's wrong with me. Like, again, right. we've just got to do better about that. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like screaming now. <laughs> I think we can just stop the podcast there. No. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Let's move on to the next question. Otherwise this podcast will be six hours long. Um, so our next question that I always recommend clients ask, again, I'm, I'm basing most of these on clients that I know and also my own experience of not knowing to ask these questions before, but ask your provider, will I get any information about nutrition, mental health, and exercise with you as my provider? And I mean medical providers, not so much, because you're obviously going to get that from me and, and Dr. Madeline and like acupuncturist and holistic. But if you're going to a medical provider, an OB or um, anything else outside of like physical therapy, chiropractic, things like that, 
ask them. Like, are they going to give you information? Are they going to ask you questions about your nutrition before they prescribe a medication? Are they going to ask you questions about your mental health to see if they need to refer to a counselor? Are they going to ask you questions about your history with trauma or issues with have you ever been abused? Is that why we're ex experiencing pain? Have you ever had an eating disorder? Is that why you're struggling with weight? Like what's going on? And are they spending time actually figuring those things out for you and making recommendations based on what you value? Because if you value nutrition and exercise and health, and I would go out on a limb to say that the majority of people do value that to some extent, because we none of, nobody wants to feel like shit. So be really mindful about asking like what, what direction of recommendations are you going to take me on? And are they equipped to do that, to recommend books? Like last week when we interviewed Lily Nichols, are they going to recommend real food for pregnancy? If you have gestational diabetes, are they going to recommend a diet change? Or are they just going to give you the generic, like eat less calories, exercise 30 minutes? Like, are they going to talk to you about what, like what you need to do? You know what I mean? And I would, this is so, I think this is so challenging because I'm yeah. just going to, it just depends on the provider you're with. And I'm so, I mean, I definitely have a different thought process and you have to figure out where yours is. But if I was walking in and my provider wasn't going to be interested in any of these things, if they told me nutrition didn't matter and I'm going to go on a limb and say like, if they're telling you the like USDA food pyramid crap, go find a new provider, <laughs> go find somebody else to talk nutrition with, because we know it's outdated. We know it's not the best information out there. Um, mm. so why we're still using it, yeah. um, especially since we're talking population of like women, I think there's still so many women who are so scared to eat fat, like real whole fat. And we know that low fat and like the extra things they put in those products are garbage. Um, so switching more of that thought process on that too. So if your providers or somebody who's not interested in those things talking to you, then definitely find a provider. Yeah, and we by no means are saying that you need to like go get a medical degree and understand all of this. Um, what we are saying is just ask your provider why. If they make a recommendation to you to follow that type of food scale, ask why. And if they give you some, and I'll just say this because I know that this has happened to one of my clients recently, and they say eat low carb, low fat, whatever, like for your heart. And, and my client had asked why, and he said, because that's what we've been doing for 50 years. And that was his response. And so, of course, she found a new medical provider <laughs> because it's just you have to be able to sift through the ones that are giving you the answers because they're not willing to do the research because research changes all the time. Evidence changes all the time. And food honestly is the best medicine. Food and exercise are things that every medical provider in any field should be asking about. And I will always stand behind that. And I will always be firm in that decision because I think that that is the one thing that America needs more help on food and exercise, right? Like we all could use better, better habits when it comes to that realm. So that's really, really important that you ask that. Um, and then mental health, we always mention again, because we talk about it on here with pregnancy and postpartum, if they're not asking you how you're feeling about all of this and they're only talking about baby and they're only talking about that and they're not giving you any time of the day, find another provider, find somebody that's going to give you that space. Because just like Madeline said, like you're going to go through some crazy transitions during pregnancy and postpartum. And regardless of if it was planned and if you're really excited about it and all of this, you're still going to hit some of those walls. And it's just really important to know that you have a provider that you can trust and that will hold that space for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Number six, um, taking it back to the mamas through pregnancy. Um, one, I think I get a lot of questions on is not that they come in asking me like what my stance is on this, but like, I think you should be okay asking like, what's the provider stance on like inducing labor or let, especially for first time moms. So first time moms, the average I believe is 40 weeks in a day. And, um, most due dates. And if you're watching the video, due date is in quotations because it's a guest date and most first time moms will go past that guest date to the 40 weeks in one day. So, um, a lot of times their induction date will be before that even reaches. It'll be like before 40 weeks of a day. So, um, I just encourage like the women who are in there, like depending who they're using, asking those certain questions. Cause I find that they don't know that they can ask, that they don't know the stats on when babies usually come, especially if like, of course you're consulting your, your practitioner with this stuff, but if mom's healthy, baby's healthy, like none of those other things are a concern that they check for. Um, asking like, do I need to be induced? Like, can we wait a little bit longer? What are my options? Yeah. Um, because sometimes they're just, and I think the other doctors are trying to do their best and they're trying to do their best within, I would say the places and the rules that they lay down, but it's not necessarily the best for the mom, yeah. you know, asking those questions and knowing kind of what their options are like, okay, well your my induction is at 39 weeks or whatever. Like, can we wait to 40? Can you give me a little bit longer? Is that okay? And knowing you can at least ask and yeah. knowing that they an answer that you like, but knowing that there you, you can ask, you can find out these things. So yeah. And it's important that you do ask because it gives you the opportunity to kind of test whether or not they're going to give you that voice, which is going to help you make that decision. And if you don't like like the answer that they gave you, you still have time to be able to kind of transition that or ask for a different provider. And I would also say that that same question can be asked with scheduled C-sections. And I yes. know a lot of women feel like, cause you go in and your provider tells you for some reason that you need to have a C-section and they set a date on it. Always ask the question, can we please get that date scheduled to the closest to my actual like guest date as Dr. Madeline said, which I love the way that you say that because it's so true because I'll also throw it out on a limb there. We really don't know exactly. We can only estimate that when you take a pregnancy yeah. test that you got pregnant, you know, after you missed your period, like four weeks or so before, but we can't truly know exactly when that happened right um so being really mindful about the c-section as well if you did not opt into the c-section meaning like it's not an emergency and it's also not something that you've chosen even if you did choose it how close to that 40 weeks are they actually allowing you to schedule that and if it's way before a couple weeks before ask them why like why do you want to schedule it then I'm just curious, like, cause I feel that the longer the baby stays in and like, it'll be better and all these things. And so ask that question. And then with C-section, I have to mention this cause there's a lot of people that have misinformation there too. Ask your provider for very specific instructions on how to heal after that. Cause I can't tell you how many conversations I have after C-sections where they don't get information on cleaning their wound. They don't get information on not moving, what movements to do, what not to do. Restrictions with C-section versus vag vaginal delivery are different. They are different and your provider needs to be giving you that. And if they give you a piece of paper and that's it, find another person to talk to. Because again, they need to be sitting and educating you on your particular situation. So another center. <laughs> It's too, because I think it's just coming from like an empowered state as you're interviewing your doctors and you're picking and you're going through that. Um, what I get to hear a lot from moms, and I just highly encourage you to listen to these things early on. So 
because it is harder to switch the later in your pregnancy. Not that it's impossible, but it does make it more challenging. So if you're listening earlier on, if you know certain things and your provider is brushing over them, like you're like, you know, I want to come into this and I really don't want to try to use an epidural. If your mm-hmm. provider is straight up being like, you're going to want one, time to look for a different provider because they shouldn't be telling you things like that. Like, especially if you want to try to birth without one and that is part of your birth plan. Um, if they're straight up being like, no, you're going to want one. Like, uh, I'd be like, peace out. Like I'm finding somebody else who can be like, okay, I totally respect that. Like, cool. Let's do what we can do to support you through that process. You know? Yeah. And that's the importance of asking those questions too, before you have, like when you decide hospital birth versus home birth versus birth center birth and all of that, asking those questions is really going to help you hone in on who's going to help you through this process and make you feel the most comfortable about it. Because it's, it's really important that you feel empowered throughout this whole process. And, and I think that that's, that's really, um, really important for sure. Yeah. All right. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay. So this, this one will probably get me fired up as well. Um, I just want to say before I ask this question, I want to say out loud that not one medical provider in the entire world can treat everything within one sitting and, and give you all the information that you need. You need to have, like, it, it takes a village for anyone, men, women, kids, all of it. You have to have different providers in your world to know, to ask questions because we all have different expertises. For instance, physical therapy, we are the musculoskeletal experts. Anybody else that's prescribing rehabilitation exercise they do not have the eight years that we do with doctorate training on that specifically for prevention of disease injury and all of that so it's just important to know that right so my question is to always ask your medical provider this is one of the first things I ask anybody that I meet new is do you refer to other practitioners do you send out to physical therapists do you send out to chiropractors do you believe in chiropractic I find that that's a big one during pregnancy do you believe in acupuncture Do you send to acupuncturists and then follow that question up with have you met them because a lot of people will say yes but it's because they bought them lunch one day but they don't really know who they are or they they heard good things and I always tell my clients if I haven't met them I can't make a referral like I just can't because I feel that to do the best justice and to do the best for our clients and our health, and Dr. Madeline's the same way, her and her sister run their practice the same exact way. If I haven't met you, I'm not gonna refer to you because I don't know you. And if I don't know your mission and your vision and how you treat your clients, I can't trust that you would treat them well. And I highly, highly respect like the way that St. Pete in itself has built a birth community within a network like that, because it's really, really important that your providers are meeting each other and that we trust each other. Because I would never send to an OB or a midwife that I didn't know. And I would never send to a chiropractor that I didn't trust. I would never send to an acupuncturist that I've never met in person. You know what I mean? And, or on Zoom. I will say Zoom does count. But I think it's really, really important that you're finding providers that care enough about you, because that's what it comes down to, that care enough about you to meet people that can help you through your transitions and that are taking the time to form those relationships for you and your health. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think as we continue through this path and we know that people are so unique. So they're healing and it's going to be unique to have this team to support them that yes, will my other providers play nice? Will they help refer me to the right people? Do they know those people? Um, I think that is so huge and so undervalued because I don't know. I think doctors never the big egos. <laughs> they're like, no, I can do it all. Oh okay. Gosh. But um, probably not the best 
for everyone at all. Even the people that come into my practice aren't the best fit for my practice, mm -hmm. you know, so being able to um, be, tell them that or recognize that, or also like maybe they're a good fit, but they also need other care outside of mine, um, yeah. which is huge for the population I see. And I refer to Dr. Keeley a lot because I won't do, and I don't do internal exams. I don't know how to check for a prolapse. You know, there are like, and I wouldn't be doing that patient all of the justice that I could if I didn't even tell them to like, hey, you should go over here and look at what Dr. Kaylee can offer you as well to really heal. You know, that wouldn't be. Yeah, and it's it's just not taking your entire care into into the mind if they're not doing that for you because it's just so incredibly important. And I think it's hard to find because I went to, obviously we all went to school with a bunch of doctors, those of us that have doctor degree and there's a lot of ego in it. And I hate saying that, but physical therapists are the worst to think that we're a one-stop shop. We're not. <laughs> I don't do spinal adjustments. I, I do manual mobilizations, but that's about it. Some physical therapists are trained in manipulation, but it's totally different than what chiropractic does. It's not the same purpose and all of that. So again, really being mindful about educating yourself and asking your provider, why do you practice that way? Because people ask me all the time, what's the difference in what you do hands-on versus a massage therapist? And I don't get offended when I'm asked that question. I don't get offended when I'm asked the difference between a personal trainer and a physical therapist. I don't get it. Like, I don't get offended, but it's hard to find people that don't. And so really find those providers that aren't offended by those questions because that's our job. You know, like it's my fault, technically, in my opinion, like that people don't know what women's health care is or that people don't know what a physical therapist does. That just means I'm not opening up that conversation. And so really, really find those providers that are willing to educate you along the way and really help you understand why because I have this conversation a lot you know I, I ask my clients are you seeing a chiropractor and if they say no I'll ask them why and if it's something that I feel is in not like an inadequate reason or it's more so just they're not educated on it I try to set up a time that they can meet Dr. Madeline or somebody that I'm referring to and just say ha have the conversation see if it's something that you do like because a lot of times again it's just miseducation that they got or they watched a YouTube video somewhere that they didn't like the way that it turned out or why have you never seen a pelvic floor physical therapist you know like it's just oh it's just so much misinformation out there and and I could probably go on for hours and hours about like all of that, but you have to find a provider that's willing to send because I just, we can't do it all. I can't give you nutrition advice. I can't give you a meal plan. We can't do those things. And so be really mindful that when you find a provider that does refer you to a mental health counselor, does refer you to an acupuncturist, we're not doing it because we want you to spend all this money everywhere. We're doing it because we know that that's what's best for you and we really care about your care. And, and we want you to get fully recovered and feel like you deserve it. So definitely. Yeah. Last question. Yep. Last question. I don't want to ask this. I think, so I guess the best way to ask this is, does my menstrual cycle matter? <laughs> That's a good way. It's a general overview and your answer. Yes. A hundred percent. Did you know that your menstrual cycle is now considered a fifth vital sign? So you have like your normal vital signs, like your heart rate, your pulse, um, your respiratory rate, so your breathing, your temperature, things like that. So this is another vital sign that gives us vital health information. And I think as women, we have been taught and are totally disconnected from it, just that your period is just supposed to suck. Like, don't ask questions. Don't think about it. It's just supposed to be terrible. Here, take this hormonal birth control to help with your hormonal issues. Um, oh, this is a cascade of events, right? And the, the reality is, is 
we're, yeah, we have a menstrual cycle because as we're pretty badass as women, like that's there. So we can procreate and create human life and bring life earth side, but it's not supposed to be miserable and terrible. And when you have missed periods or they're really heavy or you're having all these symptoms, that is your body, like other things with pain, like telling you something's wrong and I need more attention. Um, and that information can give us a lot on what is going on and that there's different avenues that we can approach that outside of a hormonal birth control. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I, if you want to take, that is a woman's right to choose. If you want to take, and you want to use hormonal birth control to prevent pregnancy, as long as you're educated in that, and that is the best choice for you, then go for it. Mm -hmm. I think it's overprescribed for other issues. And the, the hard part, I think that a lot of women don't realize is when we're taking those hormonal birth controls, it's turning off our normal receptors in our brain. Our brain and our body is no longer communicating like it's supposed to, um, to, to create our own hormones naturally and for those processes to happen. So now our body just like kind of puts pause and it's not doing anything for, I think usually lots of years, like more than 10 years, it seems like, but every woman's different. Um, so where does that leave us in the future? Especially when it comes to, we've been taking, let's say birth control for 10 years and I want to get pregnant now. Yeah. I'm off it. And I expect to just magically get pregnant. But the thing is, is that's not how it works. Um, our bodies have to refigure out how to get those hormone processes to talk again. How does our body now start to fix something that we left broken that entire time? Mm -hmm. Why I think we're seeing issues with becoming pregnant and because there's a lot of extra stressors that we've talked about through this whole podcast that we're not addressing as well. Yeah. Um, just, I think just putting that in there and planting that seed that th this gives you vital information. You should be in tune to how your menstrual cycle is working. And to know throughout the month, which is pretty cool that you can eat to support that. You can eat different foods to support your cycle. You can work out in a way that supports your cycle. You can um, use this information to be more productive at work and to understand when your brain is more apt to be creative versus like checking off lists of things to do. It's pretty badass. It's pretty cool. Right? Yeah. 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 Women are so beautifully complex and our menstrual cycle is such a cool way to always like tune in to what's going on in our body. Like the color means different things. The flow means different things. The symptoms mean different things. And when you really learn how to tune into that, it's really a cool process because then you can not necessarily control it, but learn from it and actually like utilize your time wisely, your food wisely, cook better, do all those things. And it's, it's a really powerful tool. And I would also say that a lot of times, um, based on my understanding with the hormonal birth control, like overprescription, because I agree, I think we overprescribe that in, in the state specifically just for everything, um, because that's an old school of thought, that that's what we were supposed to do. And I, I will say that the majority of providers that I talk to are not actually educated on a menstrual cycle. They don't even know that there are phases. They don't even know what hormones go into it and things like that. And so being really mindful that it is within your best interest to understand your cycle and your body. And so there's lots of resources and we'll, we'll do this, um, I'm sure within the next couple of months coming with the podcast, we'll talk a lot about menstrual cycles. That's one of the expertises that Dr. Madeline has, which is a really amazing thing. And so if you have specific questions about resources, please reach out to her and ask. She's got a whole, whole, whole library of them, I'm sure. And I think that, you know, 
the menstrual cycle is such a complex thing, but it's a really cool thing because once you get it down to a script, it's like, it's just like everything else. Like, you know what's happening. You know why it's happening. Like me, for instance, I used to have terrible PMS symptoms, but I was able to change nutrition and exercise and things like that to change that. So I just think it's really important because we also get overdiagnosed with endometriosis and interstitial cystitis and all those things um, without proper diagnosis procedures and then they give you the birth control because they think it helps and so just be really mindful and and cautious about that we i mean we're seeing now more than ever like nutrition plays a huge role and so i would say like the things you just mentioned and like pcos and and those type of conditions that women suffer with so much so much that they can't do anything about i mean that's just not true we know this but how like empowering to be like oh shit I can do something about this and, and to break the cycle of it's just supposed to suck because somebody told me it was, and I have to accept that as a woman, that's not, that's not it at all. It's actually going to be completely opposite. So, and that's the same with everything that I always talk about, you know, like you're not supposed to pee your pants. You're not supposed to have prolapse. You're not supposed to have pain with sex. It doesn't have to suck. Like (laughs) a lot of things that we need to like be educated on and have information on. And so we're really excited to continue bringing that. But I know this was a little bit longer than our usual ones, but I think that this one was full of a lot of really good information for you. Again, as always, if you have any questions for us at all, you know how to reach us. All of our information is in the show notes and all of that. And and we were really excited to do this today. And I think that these questions are important to bring to all of your medical providers and even just reflect on them. Have you asked them in the past? Are you interested in asking them now? And just being really mindful about it. And until next time, we'll see you next week on Vaginas and Vertebrae. Bye.